Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 510. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually and providing competitive salaries and benefits to team members based in Watsonville, California, and Miami, Florida. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. For each podcast episode this year, we thank three of our major sponsors. Our first thanks goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. You can learn more at ASCFG.org. I can't really believe it. After losing a full year of in-person gatherings and events to the global COVID pandemic, here we are, less than two weeks from the fourth Slow Flowers Summit, which begins on Monday, June 28th and continues through Wednesday, June 30th. We launched the Slow Flowers Summit in 2017 in Seattle, intentionally scheduling it to take place during American Flowers Week as the core event that's part of our annual domestic flower holiday week. And as the Slow Flower Summit has expanded and improved, so has its original impetus, American Flowers Week. We've been celebrating already as the buildup to American Flowers Week begins the whole month of June, leading up to that specific week of June 28th through July 4th. This year's special botanical couture promotion is a perfect one dozen floral garments created by flower growers, farmer florists, designers, and members of the Slow Flowers community, all with the motivation of elevating flowers and sharing their talents with the public. Today, I'm excited to introduce Tammy Myers of Laura Bloom. Seattle-based, Laura Bloom is an online e-commerce and marketing platform that provides an additional sales channel for florists, giving them a marketplace where customers can find custom one-of-a-kind designer arrangements for local delivery. Laura Bloom's florist partners are aligned with Tammy's own values of supporting local flower farms and offering foam-free designs. And when I asked Tammy if she was up for designing a second American Flowers Week botanical couture look, she was a participating designer in 2019 as well, Tammy came up with a stunning project that includes six of her Laura Bloom florists as collaborators. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. The result is what we're calling a floral tribute to RBG, the late U.S. Supreme Court Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who Tammy considers a fashion icon and a female role model. Because Ginsburg died in 2020, the timing was significant to honor her now. I'm going to jump right in and share my interview with Tammy. Please check out our show notes for episode 510 at deborahprinzing.com to see all the elements of this judicial botanical couture. Learn about the six other participating florists, four of whom are Slow Flowers members, and see photographs taken by our friend Missy Palacall. I've also added a link to Tammy's first appearance on the Slow Flowers podcast in episode 201, which we aired on July 8th, 2015. And you can learn more about her evolution from a studio florist to her present role as creator of the Laura Bloom platform in an article that I wrote last year as part of a series on new models of floral sales. So I'll include that link too. That appeared in the Slow Flowers Journal. Okay, let's jump right in and get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. I am so happy today to introduce Tammy Myers of Laura Bloom, a good friend, longtime Slow Flowers member, and coming to you live with Tammy sitting here with me. We're both vaccinated. <laughs> yes. Hi. Thanks, Hi. Deborah. <laughs> wow. We were reminiscing about the first time I had you on the podcast in like, I want to say 2014, maybe. It was so early on in, in your career and in mine. Yeah, it, that was a long time ago. But we did sit at a picnic table outside of the old Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, and every mode of transportation interrupted us. Yes, yes. We had trains, planes, and automobiles. <laughs> well, we're in the parking lot in my car. It's kind of the same. <laughs> and there's a plane. <laughs> well, I, am, uh, I asked Tammy if she would sit uh, with me and talk about her latest project for American Flowers Week. And we are in the month of June leading up to June 28th, which is the kickoff day for a week-long celebration, June 28th through July 4th. And uh, those of you who have listened to this podcast over the years have known that during American Flowers Week, we celebrate botanical couture, uh, floral fashions that are worn by real humans and uh, photographed in an editorial style like you know, our own little version of Vogue magazine, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the second time, Tammy, that you've participated as a designer. So I wanted to ha hear about your project and share photos with people who can find the photos in today's show notes. And just, um, it was a unique approach and a unique collaboration and, I, and also a fabulous theme. So can you describe uh, what you came up with for the Botanical Couture design? Yeah, so um, I had I wanted to um, do a tribute to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she's become a very influential person in my life over the last several years. And um, I, for years, I admired her floral collars, and I uh, they're just they were really beautiful. And then I stumbled across a Time magazine article. Um, where a story had been done that she has a private collection. And I learned that there was just so much more to those collars than just, you know, their appearance and their beauty. So they're like, they're like, some of them are crocheted and some are embroidered and like jewelry. There's a whole bunch of different materials. Yeah. Right? And she had been, um, she must have 
she wore, um, she started wearing them just because uh, she was, uh, you know, trying to add something to this drab robe, you know. <laughs> and, um, but then it kind of became a thing and she started receiving them as gifts. So there are stories behind every single one of hmm. the collars that she received. But not only that, but they contain a message. And, uh, you know, we're most familiar with the descent collar, which um, she, uh, it would sh um, display her opinion um, about, you know, course decisions that were happening. And I just thought that was really uh, cool. Yeah. And I thought that that was actually quite similar to, you know, our world of flowers. And then I was like, wow, that would be so beautiful to turn, you know, a collar into it in a floral form. And so I kind of tucked the idea away. And then when you and I talked and you're like, hey, what do you think about doing something? I was like, oh, I know what I want to do. And so it neat. turned out to be just a perfect fit for Laura Bloom because Laura represents more than just myself it represents many florists in the floral community and so this was just a super wonderful way to give you know each of the florists could choose a collar that they wanted that had relevance and significance to them and then I got to um, design the dress yeah and it all came together really beautifully oh my gosh it is so beautiful and I was fortunate to be invited to the photo shoot, which uh, our friend, mutual friend, Missy Palakal, uh, captured on film. And um, I was, I just found it such an uplifting experience. And I think just stepping back a little bit, and I didn't start out correctly asking you to describe Laura Bloom, but when people heard Tammy on this podcast five plus years ago, she had a, a wedding and event business called First in Bloom. Mm -hmm. And, um, you were one of the very vocal florists who said you were only going to design with 100% American grown flowers. Yes. In fact, I think that was your tagline on your own website, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. And, um, and then over the years you reimagined what you wanted to do in floral and created this new business, Laura Bloom, which has been out for about two years, right? Yeah. I really, the website was really launched in January of 2020, right before our lovely pandemic. We were just talking about yeah. that with someone else. Oh my gosh. I knew you were working on it in 2019, but. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, it, you know, it started out, um, I thought that it would be a mobile app, which um, uh, ended up having a lot of complications um, and a lot more expense involved than what I realized it would. Uh, but that didn't stop me and I kind of pivoted, pivoted and, you know, formed a website instead. So Laura Bloom is an online platform then, uh, prim primarily for your, Cor your member florists. Correct. And, um, it's really, it, it's called a direct to com direct to consumer, uh, online floral marketplace. So if, uh, you want to, a customer wants to send flowers uh, to someone, uh, they can order that on Laura Bloom and uh, they can be rest assured that the flowers will be primarily American grown. And the other um, 
great thing about Laura is that we have committed to uh, not using any floral foam. So all designs are always floral foam, foam free. free. Yeah. And right now, most of your florists are in the Pacific Northwest um, in terms of your reach and where you can provide delivery service, right? Yes. Um, I would tell you right now, the florists are definitely in the Seattle area. We have um, another in Bellingham and also the Burlington, Mount Vernon area. Uh, so basically between Seattle and Canada. Yeah. 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 Um, I would love to expand to more locations. Uh, you know, COVID kind of put a halt to things. And yeah. so now that we're able to um, move around more easily and safer, uh, you know, people can look forward to um, having Laura move into other areas as soon as I'm able. Well, you really are kind of a your own community of peers, you know, peer florists who are helping each other. Yeah. And um, you've done some really interesting things despite COVID, like pop-up sales and events at, around holidays. And like, I, I have to just credit you with taking what is was a very dire year for a lot of people in our industry and just finding ways to create energy and content and um, a reason for people to pay attention to you. And, you know, I, I know you have a background in marketing, but like, is your brain always thinking about what next? What can I, <laughs> what new version of, of flowers can I offer to the marketplace? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the wheels never turn off. So, <laughs> you know, that That's might scary. mean you wake up at two in the morning or four in the morning and you just spin something, which I was up at four this morning because I was, you know, thinking about how I was going to get through my day today. And I'm like, so that's just the yeah. life of a business owner, I yeah. think. But um, yeah, uh, 2020 was rough, just like it was for everyone else. But um, it takes a lot of thinking and kind of one thing that I do is I like to step outside of the floral industry and see what other businesses in other industries are doing and find ways that I can apply those same strategies um, for something that works within my field. Mm -hmm. And so I do spend a lot of time listening to other podcasts and um, how other businesses, you know, were able to survive mm -hmm. really, really difficult mm -hmm. situations. And those stories are inspiring and, uh, you know, help you get through those really rough times. Well, I, I wanted to just see if you could share one of the examples of something that you an event you created that you brought in all the florists of Laura Bloom to have a, pl a new opportunity for them to reach, you know, reach out to the marketplace. Like maybe when you partnered with the coffee shops, was that one of the events that you did? Um, yeah. So in the summer, um, you know, last year it was as it was as if business was wiped off, you know, the planet for us in some ways. And so I thought, OK, well, where are people actually going? And they were going to, um, they, they were able to go get coffee. Mm -hmm. You know, it was those simple neighborhood things. You had to stay in a localized area. And I was like, well, I, I, I knew some people that were coffee shop owners. And of course, I love coffee. So I, you know, have baristas that I <laughs> <You> patronize. <laughs> yeah, that I frequent. And, um, and so I reached out to them. And of course, you know, they're hurting too. And they're also pained 
in knowing that their fellow business owners are also hurting. And so that, you know, that's also one of my things is I love, love to collaborate yeah. with business owners. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many examples of that in the past uh, several years. So I reach out to them and I'm like, flowers make people happy. And so I asked the florists if, um, who would want to participate. And I know that for some of them, the idea of a pop-up and selling, you know, bouquets is, um, is difficult, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, pop-ups don't always make a ton of money. It's a gamble. Uh, but I, it, it helped kept, keep the lights on mm -hmm. and that's, yeah, that's what it was. You had like, um, three or four or five weeks in a row where every weekend there was, there were one or two locations where your florist would bring bouquets and, and have them at the coffee shops, right? Yeah. Um, I got a great opportunity. Well, I mean, the coffee shops basically gave me free reign mm -hmm. to, um, to host a pop-up anytime, any location that I wanted. And these are not like massive brand names. These are regional, regional yeah. local, small chains. Yes, yes. And I, um, again, I had known one of the coffee owners and they had two, they had two coffee shops. And of course they were completely fine with me doing with what, whatever I wanted. And then I did reach out to a larger regional coffee chain and lo and behold, the CEO like responded to me immediately. I was shocked. And then that's how that happened. And sometimes you just got to ask put it out there yeah you got to put it out there and um and so then I said okay everybody over the next you know I think it was like eight weeks oh wow and I said tell me you know what days locations that you might like to have a pop-up and from there you know we kind of narrowed down where it would be and I ended up covering several of them and in fact um there were a couple that were canceled because of the forest fires, right. the smoke that we had, you know, is we now had last like summer. a, it's like a yearly thing here in Washington. Um, but it, it, what was awesome about it was that I noticed an uptick on the site for the next three months following the pop-ups. Because you had Laura Bloom collateral material. I was pushing these, it yeah. out there. Yeah. And, you know, people ask questions and that's, I think one of the things that we really lack, uh, or have lacked in the last year is that, that one-to-one -one connection with our customer. And that's something that I love and I've been craving. Mm -hmm. And I was at least able to do that, you know, with a mask and hand sanitizer and, and, and being outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really great. I remember when we, I think we did a little story about uh, new models of selling flowers, uh, a series on the Soul Flowers Journal last summer. And I did one about Laura Bloom. I'll share the link to that in our show notes today so people can read more about it. But I maybe that's where I quoted you. Is I just remember you, you said something to me that was so profound. You said, when you create an event or something that you've just created yourself instead of waiting around for someone else to, you know, give you the chance. When you create that, you are producing content that you can use and make a buzz about. And I was like, yeah, that's right. No one's going to do it for you. You just created these events and happenings. And like you said, they maybe weren't super, you know, lucrative, but they were uh, definitely a buzz. They created a buzz and created, created an opportunity to be in the marketplace. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, it was, you know, we were stuck at home. There was no business. It was hard to do anything. And so it was an outlet for me to talk about something other than, you know, the horrible, you know, thing that was going on in all of our lives. Right. right, right. And uh, it just, uh, it it gave you, uh, this is what we love. This is what brings us joy. And it gave an opportunity to just focus on something else. Yeah. Yeah. Something healing about touching flowers and being a designer, (laughs) which is what you're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, you took that collective community energy of this cohort of designers. You all have gotten to know each other through Laura Bloom. You're kind of the den mother. And uh, (laughs) I don't know what to call you. It's the okay. uh, that works. the dorm the dorm mother uh, um, but you're you know it's your business the fun dorm the mother fun dorm the fun mother. exactly and <laughs> not the one who's like gonna make everyone go to bed early <laughs> that's right but you had this idea for honoring Ruth Bader Ginsburg for American Flowers Week and you what did you just put it out there to see who was interested or you only had a you decided to have six callers represented in the collection. Um, how did this, this all come together? Cause you did this, uh, not that long ago, like maybe in March. Yeah, I did. Um, it did come together pretty quickly. Um, it was kind of a stop and start project for a while because I think, uh, Val- Valentine's day was in the middle of that. Um, I, you know, I thought about, um, I thought carefully about, uh, you know, who was selected. I did select it or select each of the florists. Um, when you go in now that I've experienced this a second time, like I really recognize the, um, the importance of the planning and the preparation and the testing that is almost mandatory in this. And so I had to think about the skill sets and, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and, you know, also the, the florists that, um, I have known for such a long time and, uh, and of course they all jumped at the opportunity to be able to do this. And then of course, when they were in the midst of, you know, however many hours, painstaking hours to build these collars, they're like, Oh, Tammy, what did I sign myself <laughs> up for? <laughs> I know. I mean, we're talking about something that in is fits around the shoulders and like a like a lace collar or a beaded collar so you're thinking like 12 12 by 12 inches but it's the highly detailed fine minuscule work that is involved like beating a gown or something i mean i I can see where people were ready to ready to throw it i mean throw you know just give up because you're either your hands are cramped or the flowers are wilting because your hands are warm and you know how many hours did people spend on these um i would tell you um there might have been somebody that worked 10 to 20 hours on one of them mm-hmm. um i know there were some long nights yeah uh, i know everyone was stressed and they wanted to do a really good job and they wanted to pay attention to those little details and um, uh, the timing had to be perfect on this. Some of them had used dried. And so, of course, that buys you plenty of time. But others of them really challenged themselves and did fresh. And, so, and I did, too, even on the dress. And I 
Um, you know, I started testing like two weeks beforehand because I knew I needed to be certain mm -hmm. that these flowers would last through the shoot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, based on what the first experience I had, um, I didn't want to repeat that. Yeah. And, and I didn't. And it was actually once I got the, um, once I had all that black product, um, lined up and knew it was either being shipped to me or, you know, it was on its way. Um, the design itself was a breeze and it was almost an awkward <laughs> feeling. I'm like, okay, one, I should be stressed, but I'm yeah, not. Something's going to happen here. I'm just waiting for it. And it didn't. Well, so you had this, uh, a friend of yours in mind to be your model, but she also was your seamstress. Yes. Uh, so talk about how you transformed this boxy black, matte black, uh, uh, you know, robe, which is not, not form flattering at all not you know it has no shape to it yeah how do you turn that into something that actually looks like a little fashionable yeah well uh, the person that you are referring to is uh her name's Riva Ladiva on Instagram and she's known for her fashion couture um she makes incredible clothes for herself and I hope that she opens a store someday um but she, I was, I had been thinking about, um, you know, what I wanted the, the fabric to look like. I knew it wasn't going to be uh, like a wire or anything like I had used in the past. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of felt bad because I, um, I felt bad because I didn't want to waste whatever the fabric was or material was. I'm, it, it'd be a shame to waste a really nice shirt, you know, oh. on something that I was going to destroy. Right. And so, I don't know. All of a sudden, I was like, well, it's really hard. What would Ruth wear? <laughs> and and then I'm like, well, Ruth wears a, a, a judge's robe. Oh, that's right. Because you had sketched out, like, a turtleneck and, and yeah. a wide leg pants, yes. like a real, like, power outfit for, you know, a, a woman, yeah. an alternative to a judge gown. Yeah. Right? A and it gown. just, I, w I just thought about it logistically and I'm like, this just isn't going to work. And, you know, and the amount of uh, like floral product that would have been needed for something like that. I had to toe look. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, so I kind of had to scratch that. And then when I thought about the robe, I'm like, well, gosh, you could probably buy a robe like a costume really easily online. And so that's exactly what Riva did. And then um, I, she kind of played with some sketches, which, I mean, her sketches were beautiful. I know you sent them to me. You're like A or B. And I said, they're both beautiful. They were yeah. just slightly different reimagining of how to make a judicial robe sexy. Yeah, basically. like she looked amazing in it. Even when there was no flowers on it, I'm like, she could put you know, some accessories with this and go out, go out <laughs> yeah. if she, if she could. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, uh, so then she, so she reconstructed oh, it basically. Right. Yeah. And it fit her. That was the other challenging thing is that I'm not, you know, I can't do alterations. I couldn't even like be present with her really in the room. And so it just worked out that Riva could do this for herself. Mm -hmm. And, um, she did a great job. Yeah. Uh, and people will see the photos. We'll share them in the show notes. But um, having, you know, been a home economist in the past, I know what this took. She had to basically 
create a waistline mm -hmm. by gathering the fabric into an empire waist style, but probably had to trim out some of the fabric. Yeah, she um, she did cut off a lot. I mean, I'm not quite sure how long it was, mm -hmm. but yeah, she definitely cut. And she had to alter that zipper as okay. well in the front. Oh, and she put cuffs on it, mm -hmm. which made the, the sleeves, you know how those big open sleeves are mm -hmm. so ungainly and the, this was just really a flattering it was very detail. feminine very yeah. yeah um and then you started thinking okay it's all black how can i embellish this and with the limited inventory of black or black ish botanicals which that was a bit of a a that was challenging a palette for you <laughs> it was <laughs> like how do you define black well plum yeah <laughs> dark purple yeah um i knew uh, well, as you know, we've described uh, in the in in the book um, that I I wanted it to look like a judge's robe in the front. I wanted it to be super simple because I didn't want that to take away from the collars. I wanted the collars to be the focal for That's the true. front because it was every one of them. Every shot has. A, a different collar in yes. it. So you, you didn't shoot the dress by itself. Yes. Yeah. But I couldn't leave it empty because I feel like that doesn't meet the challenge, you know. Yeah. Where's the botanical couture in that? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and then I knew I wanted to incorporate this Ruth Bader Ginsburg crown, you know, the crown. I don't know that she's ever worn a crown. Oh, but, but you've seen the graphics, yeah, like pop art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I somehow wanted something really fun. And so I decided I would, you know, create something on the back. And, um, but I came across, I did come across some uh, black dyed fern, which was just fantastic. It was an amazing find. Um, and I did splurge on that. Um, but it added that delicate detail that I wanted and the understated delicate yeah. detail that I wanted on the dress. Almost like lace. Yeah, but the the bands that go on either side of that long zipper in the front, you made this almost like armor-like textile of overlapping leucodendron petals. But they were super flat. Like it was just so cool. Like I don't know, sort of a like a skin almost. Yeah, yeah. And you know what was amazing about that is that was the last bunch that was going to be in Seattle and I got it. Mm. And, <laughs> and you like deconstructed every one yep. of those fl flowers I just, and I leaves. Just tore, I just tore it, ripped them off and then I just sat there and uh, I glued every single one on it. I mean, that was actually part of the easy, that yeah. was easy to do. Yeah, but it's got, a, it, it's just got enough, um, you know, reflective quality that it really shows, even though it's black, yeah. black foliage on a black textile. It really works. And then you called that bis business in the front. And then yeah. what, what was the other part of it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, you know, as I was kind of scrambling for all of this black material, which is most of it was like a deep plum. Yeah. And I was okay with that, yeah. you know. Uh, Actually, it worked better probably. It, it worked out great. Yeah. yeah I... I really did want to kind of have this big surprise in the back. And I, you know, I called that the party in the back. So business in the front, party in the back. And that party in the back is your kind of reimagined crown uh, to, as a tribute to yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I had the, um, the anthurium mm -hmm. and the, the, the purple ones. Yes. And 
honestly, there were only three. Like, that was all I could get. And I'm like, okay, that's going to kind of be my crown. Create your center element. Yeah. And from there, I just worked. uh, I just worked around the scabiosa. There was that deep purple scabiosa that kind of created a base layer. And then I... The hellebores was probably was the biggest challenge and what I timed the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did test those multiple times the week prior. Um, the hydration chamber that people mm-hmm. use worked fantastic. Um, and then I just timed it like I knew that uh, okay this has got to be done within you know two hours of when I leave to go to Seattle to go to the shoot. Oh my gosh. And I was like, okay, I know that I've got, you know, like four to six hours left. And um, I just started cutting off all these really gorgeous hellebores and uh, gluing them to uh, the dress. And it, it turned out really beautiful. You know, what really surprised me was how you treated the calla lilies because you created almost like a border that of like a row with them, a curving row around the base. Yeah, I... I'm not describing it very well, but you'll yeah, see the photos. Yeah, they, um, they have a very interesting kind of uh, linear shape mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. them. Like, it wasn't like I could just glue it because then the callow would be sticking out. And I was like, how can I come up with something clever? And honestly, I don't even remember They're how... kind of laying on their sides and interlocking with each they, other. Yeah, they were... Um, one was inside of the other. So yeah. I cut out the center and then I just pushed... I glued and pushed one inside the other. Mm-hmm. And it made like a rope yeah. that kind of went around her waist. Yeah. And it just kind of swirled. It looks so great. I have wow. no idea how I came up with that, but that's what it ended yeah. up being. Well... Please, let's also talk about the fact that you had a small GoFundMe campaign uh, and how many people supported who were in the floral industry. I thought that was so special. Yeah. So um, it was a difficult time for getting sponsorship, which uh, you contributed something. And I am so, so grateful for well, that. Slow Flowers did. And I will just stop and say a lot of the team's are a, a farmer and a florist partnering together. And so the farmer's providing the material. But because this was in March, right after Valentine's Day, you didn't really have that singular partner who could come on yeah. board. So you had to make something else happen for yourself. Yeah. And it, I mean, these were super, this was a super specific ask. So it wasn't like, you know, any color could be used. Or, right. And and that made it more challenging. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, my my best friend is a defense attorney. And I had been telling my friends about how stressed I was about, you know, covering all of this. And she was she suggested she's like, well, I bet there's a whole lot of, you know, women lawyers out there that would love to support a project like this. And I was like, really? And so herself being one of them probably yeah yeah in fact both she and her husband did and um and the next thing you know I'm like well let's do a GoFundMe and so thankfully she has an amazing network too within uh the the uh legal community in Seattle and so she posted it uh on social media and yes there are many people that I do not know Mm. and um, I'm certain that they are friends of hers and they helped contribute and helped make this project happen. Wow. And really, you were just trying to cover your costs for floral material because 
you were already donating, donating your design time. You already asked all the Laura Bloom creators to donate their time. Yeah. And, and, you know, there wasn't a large budget to work with, but that just kind of made it, that just got you over the edge. Yeah. The top. I really didn't want these, um, I didn't want the florist to be impacted too much by this because I was asking them. So, you know, it's, it was still my project and to be honest, I had hoped that I would have a very successful Valentine's day and that didn't happen this year because of the, the weather, the snowstorm. Seattle got hit. Right. Yeah. And so I was even more stressed about that and you know, money, this money was tight. Yeah. So it, um, it, it all worked out. It it's great. Be. It's great that you put it out there for people and that, you know, you're also connecting a profession, <laughs> the legal profession with, with flowers in a different sort of way, which I loved. Yeah. Um, and flowers should infuse into every profession. So you gave people a, a point of entry to, to get interested in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it was, it was a really, really great connection. Well, we would, I would like to make sure I share the link to the, our, beautiful new slow flowers journal botanical couture book which has a four-page spread in the pages of uh showing the tribute to rbg and uh tammy's business in the front and party in the back and then all the individual <laughs> collars created by um six amazing designers and we'll share all of those credits too so people can see what what you know what was what it took to reinterpret a a crocheted or beadwork piece, you know, collar that Ruth Bader Ginsburg wore, how to reinterpret that with botanical elements? Because people just, your team did such an amazing job. It just blew my mind. Yeah, they really did. And um, each of them approached it in a different way with kind of different materials and a different medium that mm -hmm. they used. And um, some, I think, you know, it would be it would be neat to have them redo it again in a couple of years. I'm sure they're not ready for that, but I, you know, it would be like a similar experience that I had. That they're like, mm, if I had to do that again, what would I do? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I would wear that out, you know. Oh my gosh, I do have to say it. It did crack me up when Lori Poliski said she didn't want to deal with status again for a long, long time. <laughs> Because she took status and made it look like a crochet, lace crocheted, that classic Ruth Bader Ginsburg white collar that she wears. Yeah, she actually, um, she she really tested her collar with multiple uh, different types of flowers. Um, she also bought just kind of, uh, a, you know, like a, a lace collar online. And so she was able to have it in front of her and then kind of like a pattern. Yeah. She actually, it, I think it was part of like a Halloween costume or something. And from that, she was like, okay, I think this is going to be the best approach. And yeah. Uh, even though it was so simple, the status, I mean, who would have thought it's just like one, one botanical element for the whole thing, for the whole thing. Yeah. And it really did look like the lace collar. Yeah. Stunning. Well, I, you gave me the link to the time magazine article Yes. about the callers. So I'll share that too, because it's very fascinating to read that history and see how it inspired you. Like how Americana is this to give a tribute to the late, you know, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who really we miss so much and um, who inspired women uh, in many walks of life, but also being a style icon. You know, she never, 
she dressed to her own to her own inner you know muse and I think that's really exciting to see that re reinterpreted in flowers yeah I think um you know she was very uh understated and distinguished but wow did she have a presence yeah this was fun Tammy thanks so much for sharing this story and for being part of American Flowers Week part of Slow Flowers. I value your, you and your friendship so much. And uh, I'm just glad we could share a little bit of a behind the scenes about this amazing project. Thank you, Deborah. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us today. I love something that Tammy shared with me when I interviewed her for the story that appears in our Slow Flowers Journal Botanical Couture Special Issue. She described her inspiration saying, in my research, I learned Ruth Bader Ginsburg had favorite pieces that communicated subtle messages of the court's decisions. We know that flowers speak in similar ways. That language of flowers means different things to all of us, but I think we can all say that it was successful in this uh, beautiful project that Tammy did for American Flowers Week. By the way, if you haven't seen the free 72-page special edition of Slow Flowers Journal, which was released on June 1st, you can find the link to that digital magazine in today's show notes. You'll read all about the RBG floral tribute, along with stories about the 11 other botanical couture looks created for American Flowers Week. Prepare to be wowed at all the beauty and talent in our collective community, and maybe it will trigger some ideas for you to get involved in 2022. Next week, you'll hear my interview with Susan McCleary, our keynote presenter at the upcoming Slow Flower Summit. Our conversation is guaranteed to inspire you. As Sue is such an important influence, an incredible floral artist, and a boundary-pushing leader in our community, I can't wait to share that conversation with you. And for attendees of the Slow Flower Summit to see Sue's design demonstrations and hear her keynote, The Creative Journey, Finding Your Artistic Voice, Truth, and Expression. We're thrilled that our podcast sponsor, Mayesh Wholesale Florist, is also a supporting sponsor of the upcoming Slow Flowers Summit. Family owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. To me, the Slow Flowers Summit gives our community the opportunity to gather annually and celebrate domestic flower growing and sustainable floral design to go deeper than it is possible in an online virtual social media kind of way and to have human contact, a mind meld as one of our past speakers described it, to push ourselves to consider new ideas and unique perspectives, and to hear from a diversity of voices in the floral culture and horticulture marketplace. There are still a few spaces left to attend the Slow Flowers Summit, and you can find all those details at slowflowerssummit.com. Our final sponsor thanks goes to the Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important this year than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 736,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.